Time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitt Madness. And here he goes. Defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games, all across the Mitten State. That's not something to play with. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Oh, there, good morning. Welcome in to Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. I'm Jacob Harrison, the brand manager of BCK. That's Dejon Hughes, brand manager of the block 1025-1049 there in Battle Creek. A lot to get into. A lot of big things have happened uh, since last we were able to talk last week. So we'll get into the latest with Jim Harbaugh, the Detroit Lions, and a good bit more on today's show ahead of the AFC and NFC championships and the Super Bowl upcoming. But before we get into uh, anything too heavy, DJ, how's it going, man? Oh, man, I'm living good, uh, kind of. There's a lot of things <laughs> kind of. <laughs> that have happened in Michigan sports recently that have tried to damper my mood. But honestly, after I spent some time doing some recruiting this morning for my high school lacrosse team, as we record on Friday, I got almost 20 kids to possibly come out and play. They were at least interested. And that's like has me over the moon right now because 20 kids literally just from standing at a table during their lunch hour and asking them if they've ever been interested is exactly where I want that sport to be heading. So uh, I'm feeling good, even though we're going to talk about some very sad Michigan news in the next couple moments. That is for sure. Congrats on that, by the way. Uh, yeah, not, not a whole lot going on in my world. I saw Nick Saban on a boogie board. Um, so he's enjoying retirement. I guess I should, uh, guess I should just be happy in, in the way that things are going. The, the Steelers are looking outside of the box for offensive coordinators. So I don't know, just relaxing and making my ways through the, through the, the dark times of the year when my team isn't in the playoffs and, uh, not a lot's going on for me sports wise, but hey, it's about to be time for me to, to to start really getting into hockey and basketball and all that sort of stuff. So I think that'll be fun. But we do have to start with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, early in the week, Jim Harbaugh accepted a job to go coach the Los Angeles Chargers, one of the uh, teams that he played for when he was a quarterback in the NFL. Obviously, uh, Jim spent most of his, or a good chunk of his life in the state of Michigan and was an alum there. Uh, but he's also spent a good deal of his life in Southern California, uh, not just as a coach. So makes sense to go down there, coach Justin Herbert. They've got stars everywhere you look on that team. It's a snake-bitten franchise as far as I'm concerned because you can go back, I don't know, the past 25 years, and they've had a Hall of Famer somewhere on their team and just couldn't get it done. Heck, they had three at one point with Antonio Gates, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Phillip Rivers all on their roster and never really got close to getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, now things kind of repeating themselves with having Joey Bosa, having uh, Keenan Allen, having Justin Herbert, you know, all the stars they have, but bad coaching hires kind of played into that and Jim Harbaugh is one of the best you can possibly get. There's no information yet, uh, as is kind of usually the case when it comes to NFL coaches because it doesn't have to be disclosed. Uh, no, no information that I can see 
agency just yet on the information for compensation, terms of the deal, and that type of thing. Uh, but we do know that he turned down a lot of money. A lot of money. He would have been the highest paid coach in college football. Uh, probably would have done this whole song and dance again next year. Win or lose a, a national championship. Um, but that all being said, before we get into the, the Michigan thing, because boy, that's gonna, that's, that's the big part of it. Uh, thoughts on Harbaugh taking the job in LA, what it means for that franchise, what it means for him, uh, moving forward. I'm just happy he chose that job and he didn't take the one down in Atlanta because that's oh, not yeah. the space for him. But Los Angeles is a great spot for him. Already a great quarterback. Like you, honestly, if you look, they're built, they're built very similar to this Michigan team and how they're built already. They just can't stay healthy and they don't have a quarterback's coach there. Not like they don't have a quarterback coach coaching the quarterbacks, but they don't have a coach that is in favor of quarterbacks that played the quarterback position is going to help him. Not an egg coach. They did have Kellen right. Moore as the offense coordinator, but he has been. And, and, and we know what he's done in the <laughs> NFL. Like Kellen Moore was a great college uh, football quarterback at Boise state and did things that nobody saw coming. Didn't quite pan out as a quarterback in the NFL. And he hasn't quite panned out as an offensive yeah, coordinator. Just one either, good year. <laughs> right. So we know kind of the position they're in, but Jim Harbaugh is going to be able to come in and elevate that, get Justin Herbert making the right reads, feeling more comfortable. And once again, he's going back to a program that he's already been a part of, which is something that means a lot to him because he likes to play for things that he cares about. He likes to be around things that he cares about. And the Los Angeles Chargers are one of those things. So I think it's an awesome move for him and the franchise because really I think the franchise is closer to being a coach away from being very competitive and competing for a national or a Super Bowl than they are a certain player or players. They have almost every piece they need. They just didn't necessarily have a coach calling the right plays, making the right decisions, pointing out the right things. And that's what Jim Harbaugh brings in. Yeah, I'm excited, honestly. And I think – I think an interesting part of this is the Los Angeles Chargers have one of the weakest fan bases in the NFL. Uh, it's it's fact. Their move from San Diego to Los Angeles wasn't popular, uh, and they and and not just with Chargers fans, but with like NFL fans in general. Uh, and now they share a stadium with the Los Angeles Rams who have been very successful. Their move to LA was popular with everybody that wasn't in the state of Missouri. Uh, so it's, it kind of makes sense, right? You've got the quarterback and now you've got a coach that helps s- inspire confidence because what they have had with uh, Stanley out there, homie, you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to worship analytics, right? Uh, so I'm excited to see how that is going to unfold. Now, when it comes back to the Michigan side, first of all, like it's got to be heart wrenching in a way for a, a good chunk of the fan base. Like I know you're, you're kind of like, well, let, you know, can't control it. Let's see what's next. But a good chunk of the fan of, of the fan base saw this guy come back home and rebuild Michigan into what it's supposed to be. Has Michigan been a perennial like top twenty five program throughout the the twenty six year gap, uh, searching for another national championship? For the most part, like they're really you know a lot of programs would would give their left arm to be what Michigan has been 
over the past quarter century. That said, it's not good enough. Michigan has to be in the national championship picture. And it took Harbaugh a good long time to get to that point to find the quarterback in J.J. McCarthy, find the running game uh, with Blake Corum and so many other guys. That offensive line, the defense really stepped up there to go win a national championship for the first time in 26 years. However, that team also didn't have to have uh, Coach Harbaugh throughout the entire thing. And Sharon Moore was a guy that was able to step in and and help out. But some other names that I'm just going to say are on the docket and they're open uh, for, you know, possibilities. And this is all from an ESPN article. And that includes LSU coach Brian Kelly, which I know nobody, nobody really wants to see. Kansas coach Lance Leopold, which would be a really a fantastic hire. Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman. Uh, Missouri coach, I don't see this one happening. Eli Drinkwitz. Iowa State coach Matt Campbell. Uh, he's been talked, he, he's the next Jim Harbaugh. Is he staying? Is he going somewhere else? And he always has to say that he's going to stay. Uh, Baltimore Ravens coordinators, Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald also have, uh, connections. Obviously, ja, John Harbaugh is Jim's brother and he's the coach there for the Ravens. I think Sharon Moore is at the top of the list, the in-house hire, like we talked about last week, but, uh, do any of those names, you know, get a wiggle or are we just gonna, gonna stick with the in-house hire here? Uh, for me personally, this is, uh, it's tough. Michigan's losing their leader going back to a space where the port, the transfer portal is now open for guys to leave. So we don't know what the roster is going to look like. In my opinion, I think you just take the, the guy in house because you know what you're getting with him. The team knows what they're getting and some of those guys that are possibly on the cusp of leaving transfer portal because Jim is gone. Maybe they stay because Sharon, Sharon Moore stays. They know what they're getting in him. They played under him for, you know, five games out of the year last year rather than under Harbaugh. All of those things kind of play a factor. If you're not going and getting a guy like top, top of the line that's going to come in and be that guy. Then I don't, I think you pass on it and then you take the inside, you know, inside job guy. But that's kind of my personal opinion on it. I'm just here for the ride right now. Um, <laughs> there's no way for me to really say anything. I'm just personally upset because Harbaugh had a chance to be the next dynasty and he passed on it. Yeah. But then again, that's his decision, something he has to live with. And that's what he wanted to do. He made the decision that was best for him and the one that he's going to be happy with. So I'm cool with it. The best of luck to him. But no, I will not cheer for him to win a Super Bowl. I Oh, that's surprising. I, I talked to this uh, with a, a homie of mine last night. When it comes to the NFL, if the Packers aren't in it, I just want a black quarterback to win. <laughs> so, like, right now, I'm all for Lamar and the Ravens. If the Lions win, I'll be happy because I'm here in Michigan. It's going to be great. Everybody here deserves it. But me personally, I'm pulling for the Ravens because I want to see Lamar hoist the trophy. Hey, look, I you'll, you'll never catch me rooting for the Ravens, but it would be kind of cool uh, for them to to be able to pull it off. Uh, Lamar Jackson is one of the most electrifying players in NFL history. It would be it would be really a shame if his career matched Cam, like a Cam Newton's or Michael Vick, where they were so incredible but never won the whole thing. Uh, I don't know. Ravens look really unstoppable. I'm on the Sharon uh, Moore bandwagon. He's 37 years old. A lot of the big name coaches, like even Lance Leopold is 59. Brian Kelly's in his 60s. And and like, I'm not old shaming here, uh, but like, look at the other coach that you're competing with nationally. Kirby Smart, I think is in his uh, early 40s. You want to compete with him, right? That's a, that was the only thing standing in Jim Harbaugh's way for a dynasty 
is the guy down in, in Athens, Georgia. You want to get on his level quickly, have a young coach that you don't have to worry about going somewhere else or anything like that. Sharon Moore showed his passion for this program when he was coaching, and and you know we all saw the interviews after the Ohio State game. I think I'm, I'm actually surprised it hasn't been announced yet. Right, I don't think there's that many phone calls that need to be made. You call Lance Leopold, you get the no. You call Chris Kleiman, you get the no. You if if you're feeling froggy, you call Brian Kelly, and hopefully you get the no, and then you give Sharon more of the contract. I think it's really got to be that simple. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we're talking the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship. What a sweet sentence to say after a year of such high expectations. That next year on Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK. And welcome back to Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK. Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes talking about the Detroit Lions. Yes, the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game. Just one more away from the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58 could feature the first appearance of the Detroit Lions. All they have to do is get through the San Francisco 49ers, who are just the best team in, in football, pound for pound, when when you look at it from really any uh, angle the way that the team has been perceived all throughout the season. And of course it wouldn't be the lions if it didn't have to be the most uphill battle, the most absurd uphill battle you've ever seen Uh, because, and I've got an article on WBCK stats of the weird when it comes to the NFC championship, uh, because it only gets weirder that the lions are playing the 49ers. And I'll give you a quick couple of examples. Uh, First, no team, in NFC Championship history has played in that game as many times as the San Francisco 49ers. They've almost played in a third of them. This is their 19th NFC Championship game. They've lost 11 of them, though, which is more than any other team. And this is the 11th time that they've hosted the NFC Championship game. And they're 5-5 five and five all-time at home and have only ever lost to one NFC North team. And it was at home. It was the Green Bay Packers back in the 90s. Of course, the Lions have only been to one NFC Championship game. That was the longest time anybody has ever had to wait to go to an NFC Championship game. Now that goes to the Washington Commanders. And uh, here's a nice little, nice little nugget for you. Because there's one that's even worse. I'm not going to give it to you over the air. You can go read the article. But the only team the Detroit Lions have ever beaten on the road in the postseason, not counting an NFL championship, because back in the day they had to you know play them at home and away stadiums, no neutral sites. The only team the Detroit Lions have ever beaten on the road in the playoffs pre-merger, because they haven't won one since uh, the merger, the San Francisco 49ers. Could history repeat itself? Who knows? That was... Uh, that was a long time ago, DJ. That was in the in the 1950s. <laughs> I mean, that was back when the Lions were good. I, they're very good in the 50s. Right? They had a couple championships in the 50s, NFL championships, that is. But nonetheless, championships, they were very good in the 50s. And they're looking to be very good now. And that trend is hopefully going to continue over the next couple of years. But this is definitely an uphill battle. But it is one that the Lions could win. Let's look at last week, right? 
divisional foe in the Green Bay Packers did a phenomenal job against the San Francisco 49ers and actually had me wondering if I was crazy <laughs> because I thought they were going to win the game for a second. Yeah, you thought you were about to drop hundreds of dollars this weekend. Dude, I thought I was going to be so broke between the Pistons game and the Lions game. I was going to be broke <laughs> because the Pistons game already got moved up. So it would have got moved up. So I would have went from the Pistons game to the Lions game. I would have just been broke. <laughs> so, yes, I'm extremely happy that they weren't able to pull it out for my wallet's sake. Man would have had to smuggle in M&M's to to eat. Literally, (laughs) literally, I would have had to smuggle in Dollar Tree snacks. I would have been broke. (laughs) But, like, looking at how the Packers played that game, they were in it from from the very beginning, and the defensive pressure was there. They made Brock Purdy and that offense uncomfortable. And if the Lions are able to do the same thing and keep the ball in their possession, because let's be honest here, that was probably the biggest part for the Packers. Jordan Love did not turn the ball over. He did a very good job taking care of the ball. Even when he faced pressure, he evaded it, got out of the pocket, got rid of the ball, passed it. Whatever the case was, he got rid of the ball so he didn't take the sack, didn't turn the ball over. Is Jared Goff going to be able to do the same thing? We've seen him face pressure and make mistakes. If he does that, the Lions are going to be in big trouble this weekend. I think for me... I usually don't look at things this way, but I do think these teams are evenly matched enough. I think a really big factor in this game is the fact that it's on the road, right? Because we've seen the impact that Ford Field has had on the Lions in these two games, right? The fan base justifiably hungry for a home playoff victory in there. They're lucky enough to now have, you know, three when they started the season with just one. You know, tripled their investment as fans already. Um, but Jared Goff saying that ahead of the Rams wildcard matchup, hearing the fans chant his name kind of gave him a, a, a sense of calm. And we saw how I, I think he made one bad decision in that game. Just one. And it ended up not hurting the team. He was electric in that game. Follow that up next week. Not quite as electric. They could have beaten the Bucs by a lot more, but that's not the name of the game in the playoffs. You just got to win. But again, Ford Field playing its part, and especially there, you know, at the end when Baker Mayfield throws the the game-sealing interception. That said... The drive before that, the Bucks put all the pressure back on the Lions by scoring and making a game of it again. And that's some of the stuff that worries me. The 49ers are more than capable of a game-winning drive against this Lions defense if they don't have if, you know, if the Lions don't have the ball last, that's a huge concern. If the Lions end up turning the ball over like you I Ravens highlights just popped up uh, across my screen. Remember how much they turned the ball over against the Baltimore Ravens? Like, And I'm not trying to sow seeds of doubt and fear and everything else. I want the Lions to win this game. But these are the kinds of things that we've seen them do in big games. We've seen them show up for big games, Chiefs, Cowboys, these playoffs. But we've seen them utterly crap the bed against some big teams that they, they can beat. They can beat the 49ers. I think this whole 75% chance to win by ESPN's matchup predictor, I think this whole seven and a half touchdown thing is, I think it's ludicrous. I think all that just weighs so heavily on the 
perception of the 49ers and the fact that the Lions have not been here before in in either of our lifetimes. <laughs> Neither of us were alive the last time they played an NFC Championship game. So I think a lot of those external factors that I usually don't allow to weigh that much into a football game, I think they do matter because the Detroit Lions are the most emotional team in football. And when you're an emotional team, it can really fire you up and make you dominant. It can make you a real threat to everything. That's why when teams get hot in the playoffs, they're terrifying. But, and and they scorch two of the hotter teams in the, in the playoffs. But when you're an emotional team and things are not in your favor, that that little flame on the end of the match can go out really, really easily. And that's what's concerning to me when it comes to the Lions. Can they contain their emotions, play their best football against the perceived best team in the NFL in their house to do something that has not, again, they've done a lot of things that are unprecedented or just haven't been done in 30 years in franchise history. They have not won a road playoff game. They have not. The you know I mentioned the the Forty Nineers won back pre merger that doesn't count. <laughs> they have not done this. They hadn't won back to back playoff games at home either. They've got to do one more thing they've never done so that they can do the ultimate thing they've never done, and that's go play in a Super Bowl. And they're more than capable of doing it. Those are just my slight concerns with it. I don't really have any concerns. Um, I think the Lions have nothing to lose. So I think that's the biggest thing is here is they're going in like we lose this game. Every Lions fan is still extremely happy. We had an amazing season and they're ready yeah. for us to do it again next year. One of the few teams that can make it this far fall short and it still be considered a successful it's just, season. It's just them and the Chiefs right now. Because even if the Chiefs lose right now, people are going to go, okay, you won, <laughs> you won two of the last four before this year. So yeah. you don't need to win. It's okay. We want someone else to win. The other two, the Ravens and the 49ers, people are like looking at them like, okay, Lamar, you need to win a Super Bowl because you're saying you're, you're one of the best. You promised a Super Bowl. Where's it at? And then other people are looking at the 49ers like, you guys are stacked. You should be one of the best teams in the league and you should be competing for a Super Bowl. So, well, walking in, the Lions have nothing to complain about, nothing to lose, nothing to win, or not necessarily nothing to win, but like if they win, it's good. If they lose, it's still good. So I have no concerns going into this weekend. I think they just need to not turn the ball over and look to stay healthy getting out of here, and, and they're in great shape. Um, but realistically, I think it's it's still just an, an uphill battle because San Francisco is ins- insanely good. Oh yeah, it is. It is an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle the rest of the way, right? Like they, they, they were the better team when it came to the Rams. They were significantly the better team when it came to the Bucks. They kind of had the luck of the draw, not having to go to Philadelphia or go back to Dallas, right? Like, and they could have beaten either of those teams. Don't get me wrong, but they've had the easiest path of the four teams in the championship. And two of these guys had buys. They've had the easiest path to get to this point. I will say one thing that is kind of in the back of my mind is thinking back to I'm, I'm gonna sound a little biased sound like i'm making this about my team a little bit i promise i'm not thinking back to the best super bowl i ever played and that's super bowl 43 and that's the pittsburgh steelers the arizona cardinals and the reason why 
is because the Cardinals had no business being there, right? But they had like America on, you know, behind them. They wanted to see the Arizona Cardinals run the gauntlet. Now they had to start as a, you know, they started as a wild card team. They were nine and seven in that season, but they were doing something unprecedented and it put the Cardinals on the map. The Lions again are doing the same thing. So I, I'm kind of just, I'm curious. They do have to go up against a juggernaut the next two times. But if they can pull this off and do what the Cardinals came within inches of being able to do and win the whole thing, it'd be a a very good thing for football. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got some uh, college basketball stuff to get into and a little bit more. Picks are upcoming as well here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. Detroit sports fans, Wolverines and Spartans alike. This is your sports show. Mitten Madness with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK. Back here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. It's our uh, quicker segment, so we'll dive right on in here with uh, good old Tom Izzo, who is now at an all-time record of 699 and 287. Now, obviously, we were recording this on a Friday uh, before the Spartans head out to play the Wisconsin Badgers in a game that you have already experienced as you were listening on Saturday morning. The expectation being that uh, Michigan State's probably not going to beat the number one team in the conference. It's a possibility. Uh, But this has been a bit of a struggle season for the Spartans. That said, in a couple of days, I think on Tuesday, they will host the Michigan Wolverines. And if they don't get number 700 for Tom Izzo, they would be able to have a really strong opportunity to do it at home against their biggest rival, against the Wolverines, in front of a home crowd. I think that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, you know, there were obviously, you know, when it came to the Michigan Wolverines football team getting a thousand, it would have been a, it would have been pretty sweet to get that one thousandth victory at home against Ohio State, but they had to settle for getting it on the road against Maryland. Right? You can't pick and choose how these things go. And getting it now against Wisconsin would be a little bit sweeter. But again, we don't know if that's going to happen or not. That said, a couple of things for when it does happen, because it's going to happen very soon, uh, even if it doesn't happen in one of these two games. Izzo would become the only Big Ten coach to hit the milestone while coaching at the same school. He's the 38th coach all time to reach 700 when he does. Uh, there are a few other notable coaches to hit the 700 win mark in the Big Ten. That includes uh, Bo Ryan, John Bellini. Uh, I butchered that. Uh, Beline. Beline. Byline, I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't know. And, uh, of course, Bob Knight. Uh, but all three of those coaches were head coaches at multiple schools. Uh, DJ, I mean, you, you, you brought this one to the table. Old Tommy Izzo getting to, uh, number 700. It's been, like I said before, a bit of a struggle season, but this can help, uh, make things a bit sweeter. I mean, I personally am not a Michigan State fan. Right. So. But I do like Michigan State basketball, and I think they're on the cusp of like being able to slide back in the conversation or um, 
March Madness conversation, mm. being that they could probably make the NIT with how they're playing. They continue to play this way. They're going to keep winning Big Ten games, which is going to get them back into the conversation they want to be and even up that record. So they're headed toward having a okay season for Michigan State basketball, but getting to 700 is going to be amazing for Izzo, and it's something he deserves, and it's kind of one of those things where you're looking like, how much longer now does he coach? Does this encourage him to maybe try a few years longer than what he was going to before because he has a chance to catch a few guys and be kind of top 10, top 5-ish all-time and wins if he keeps trending the way he is. So that's kind of the biggest wrinkle in all of this is, how does he, you know, take it for the celebration that it is this year while they're still trying to get to the goal of making March Madness? And then does it encourage him to stay any longer to try and catch top 10, top five all time? Uh, rattle off some more uh, career accomplishments here for old Tommy Izzo. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016. MSU's all-time wins leader also leads the Big Ten in all-time wins, has the longest streak of NCAA tournament appearances by a single coach at 25. Uh, countless program achievements under Izzo for Michigan State, uh, including 10 Big Ten regular season titles, six Big Ten tourney titles, eight Final Fours, and a natty. So, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of questioning Izzo, the longevity of it all, right? Getting to 700, he's been here for, you know, as long as, you know, I think you've been alive. So it's, does the outcome of this season, do you think, does that play into the decision of whether or not to, to continue on? Or, because uh, we kind of anticipate change at Michigan, and things have kind of settled here. The Big Ten's about to really change with those four Pac-12 teams coming in. What do you think is kind of the biggest determining factor on whether or not we see Izzo get, you know, not just beyond 700, but beyond 750, you know, then those types of things, the longevity of his career? I don't think the longevity is really in question. He's been there for forever. I think it's more of a matter of him himself like individually how does he feel does he have it can he keep putting up with the stress can he keep grinding through these seasons or is he just like hey i got to 700 i've won a a national championship i've done this i've done that sent players to the nba i'm good man i just want to chill yeah i that was kind of nick saban's approach uh i don't know like there's there's that part of me that's like you know i understand when you get to that point but man we've had to we've watched saban sit down we've watched harbaugh go off to the nfl again we've watched bill belichick kind of you know be removed a bit so it's a weird time it's a it's a ever-changing landscape i mean pete carroll is not coaching football anymore uh uh weird weird turning of the guard kind of thing you know we did it with quarterbacks in the nfl not too long ago uh just overall it's it's just it's strange is the way that I'll put it there. So let's uh, shift gears here while we have a minute and talk about the Detroit Pistons. Hey, they got another W. They beat Charlotte on Wednesday, 113 to 106. That brings their win total to five. They're five and 39. Things aren't, are still not great, but at least they're getting some W's every once in a while, which I think is the, the most that you can ask for at this point. Uh, you, sir, are going to be at a very important game. Uh, and by very important, it's just the fact that, uh, you know, the number two, number one team in the West is coming to town. So it's a good opportunity to just see a, a good team play some basketball against your hometown team here in the Detroit Pistons. You're going to see this Oklahoma City game on Sunday. But in the meantime, later today, uh, I think tip-off is at noon. That's interesting. Um, 
it's Washington and the Pistons, and that's a winnable game for them here at home too. So interesting weekend slate for the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, a two, well, one winnable game and one game that's kind of, uh, and especially when you put them back to back, I think Pistons are going to be dumping a ton of their energy into that Saturday game. Yeah. You're home back to back, so you know you're going to get a crowd Saturday, you're going to get a crowd Sunday. You just traded with the Wizards. You want to prove that you're better than them. You have beat them already this year. This is the third time you're playing them. They beat you once. You've beat them once. Take advantage of the opportunity. Take the lead in the series, and hopefully you can get a 3-1 on the year over them. But it starts Saturday, so I think they dump a lot of energy into winning on Saturday. And the game I'm going to see on Sunday is going to be a question mark. And it's more about me getting 12th row tickets with a free crew neck (laughs) and in my college-branded colors with – Pistons uh, branded saying the good old DJ. I'm going to stop before we get <laughs> copyright. But y'all know where I'm going with that. That's going to be in black and yellow. And then uh, I get to enjoy the game. I got 12th row seats for 60 bucks, And I'm seeing the number one team in the West is Oklahoma City Thunder coming to town. So I expect SGA and Chet Holmgren and all those guys to do their thing and the Thunder to win. But a one-on-one weekend is not bad for the Pistons. No, it's really not. I mean, I, like I said, they're kind of at the point where they just need to try to get wins where they can, uh, you know, be be understanding of where they're at uh, in the grand scheme of things. But if you want to join DJ out there at uh, Little Caesars, tickets for that Oklahoma City game are as low as $15. We were joking before the game. That's probably all the way up in the nosebleeds behind the floating boxes, the floating uh, luxury suites. You can also uh, check out that Washington game for as low as 18 bucks. So get out there and, and support the Pistons, especially in the games that, they're, that they have that are winnable. Uh, they're about to go on a pretty long road stretch through February. They think, uh, yeah, one, two, three home games in all of February. Uh, and... That's L.A., Orlando, and Orlando. So probably not going to see a a Detroit win at home (laughs) for a while. So take advantage of that, I guess. And uh, you want to go to picks next? Yeah. Just to have a little bit of extra time because I'm... I was just going to tell you to wrap up anyway. Okay, cool. Awesome. Because my mind... (laughs) Dog, it is Friday. It is is a Friday, my guy. (laughs) All right, picks are up next. I'll uh, try to unfry my brain in the next 30 seconds, and uh, we'll we'll do that. Picks next, Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK. 95.3 WBCK. Back here on Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. It's time for our picks. We don't have many more of these to go before we uh, decide a winner. I think DJ's got enough of a lead to not really be worried about me until we end all this on uh, Super Bowl weekend. Did we? I know we decided that it was a dinner. Did we ever decide on where we're going? We did not decide on where we're going. Okay. I guess we need to figure that out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Figure out where I'm where I'm taking you to dinner because uh, I ain't winning. <laughs> <laughs> run, run down the 
those uh, records because they don't look pretty for me. Right now, after what was honestly a pretty good week for the both of us last week, you came in at a solid four and two. I almost had that perfect uh, weekend in a six and oh, but I was five and one. So you are sitting at 89 and 45 and just five games ahead of you. <laughs> I'm sitting at 94 and 40. He said just five games as if that doesn't equate to like an NFL five games. Like the difference between 11 and six and six and 11 is massive. <laughs> Literally massive. They're like, I am not overcoming this. We picked too many games that are the same. Like both had a good week last week because we picked the same games. Uh, this week I think will be a little bit more of the same. And that's why I say uh, definitely I'm not catching up. First game that I have for you, DJ, is the one that we uh, talked about a little bit there for a second. That is Michigan and Michigan State. We anticipate as we record on Friday, you listen on Saturday, that this will be to get Tommy Izzo over the or at the 700 mark against the Michigan Wolverines there in their own stadium. The Spartans have an 88% chance of victory in this one because they're okay and the Wolverines are not even remotely close to that. So who wins? (laughs) Uh, This one is not a question for me. Michigan State does. This is a road game, so this is at Breslin. Speaking road, I'm a Michigan fan, which means we don't have our point guard, Doug McDaniel, who was suspended a week ago for the upcoming six road games. This is one of those road games without a leader like him on the floor who is averaging the most points for us this year as well. Going into a hostile environment like the Breslin Center and this rivalry is not good news. Give me the Spartans, and sadly, uh, the Green will be mobbing this weekend. Well, this week, Tuesday. Yeah. They'll be a little bit more hyped up, I guess, if uh, if it's to get 7-0-1. I mean, getting a, a win over Wisconsin would be huge if that's what happens. You already know if that happened, though. Uh, DJ, what's the next game? Because I'm obviously taking the Spartans in that one. <laughs> Well, I guess we will keep it on the hardwood before we head anywhere else. I'll talk some NBA, and I'm not talking the Pistons-Thunder game that I am going to. Instead, I'm talking MVP matchup. Mm. Not too long ago, we saw Joel Embiid and um, Nikola Jokic face off in Philadelphia, and Joel Embiid had himself a day. 70 points from the big man on Nikola Jokic. It's the same night that Carl Anthony Towns dropped 62. Also happened to be the anniversary of Kobe dropping 81. So that's just a big game in basketball, or a big day in basketball now. But the rematch is coming up. Joel Embiid is averaging 36 points per game this year. Nikola Jokic doing his thing, averaging 26. Matchup predictor has the Nuggets at 58.5% and the rest of that, 41.5% is over with the 76ers. Do you think the 76ers are able to win again and get another big game from Embiid or are the Nuggets and Jokic going to be able to take care of business? Yeah, um, I know Jokic has a personality that's kind of hard to explain because it's not that he doesn't care, uh, but he's, he's I'm at work kind of guy. So I, I'm interested to see how he responds to one of the other elite centers having such a game on him. Uh, and that said, he's the MP- MVP last year. He was the best player of basketball last year for a reason. I think he turns it on. And I've, I'm, I'm going to back Jokic on this one. I think uh, I think Denver will pull this one off. And, uh, you know, obviously this is the, the, the last game in the series for them regular season. But uh, just kind of getting a taste of that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. A lot's going to happen between now and April. But it does sound a little fun. I'm just saying. You are not wrong. <laughs> it, it does it, sound fun it to potentially fun. see them go back to back to back to back. Yep. And, and I agree. <laughs> but the biggest thing for me in this one is I will agree with you the Nuggets are going to win but it's because they're 17 and 4 at home with a 31 and 15 record and the 76ers at 29 and 14 are 12 and 8 on the road so 17 and 4 is Trump and 12 and 8 anytime I'll take my chances Nuggets for the win I've got next um finish this out on the hardwood yeah I've got the game that you're going to be attending that is Thunder Pistons 84 and a half percent chance of victory for the Thunder the last time they played Thunder won 124 to 112 at their house uh that was back the day before Halloween so it's been a minute 
minutes since they played each other. But Thunder, one of the streaky, uh, one of the teams on a hot streak here. Um, winners of four out of their last five. Detroit, hey, I two out of their last five. They won. That's the best they can say they've had all year long. Upset time, maybe? Uh, no. <laughs> not, not coming from me. Um, I'm just super hyped to be going in this game, getting the crew neck, having great seats. And I'm actually super excited to see Shy Gilius Alexander in person for the first time. Uh, I haven't been able to see him play yet in person, so that's going to be awesome. Chet Holmgren's going to be there. Josh Giddy. The, the OKC squad is nice. I'll finally get to see Kate Cunningham play in person. Game time's a decision. But I'm banking on him playing. I'm just saying that. Yeah. I would love to see him play in person. Uh, Jaden Ivey and, and Jalen Duran. I like this Pistons squad, so I'll be excited to see those guys play in person for uh, the first time. Oh, so excuse me, second time for some of those guys. Last year, I went to a Pistons game as well, saw Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey, those guys, but it would be nice to see Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham out there doing his thing, uh, if that's going to be the case. So I will take the Thunder as well, which leads us on to the ice. I'm taking the Thunder too, by the way. I, I figured that yeah. was the All good. There's a couple obvious ones in this one this week. <laughs> You totally asked me that first. <laughs> uh, but uh, the day before, the Pistons are playing the, the Wizards. But later on that same night, the Wings are going to be taking over LCA. So big weekend in LCA for uh, both the Wings and the Pistons. Golden Knights are coming to town, and the Golden Knights are nobody to play with. 10-9-4 on the road. Your Wings are 13-8-4 at home. And they're not even going to give me any type of predictor to win this. No over-unders, anything. ESPN's not doing the thing right <laughs> ESPN's now. ESPN's the home of hockey, and they don't, they don't care about it. <laughs> They don't even care. Wild how that uh, works, right? But I mean, the Golden Knights have been phenomenal since the beginning of their existence. The Wings are coming back. Do the Wings have enough over the last couple games to get over the big hump like a thriving Golden Knights? Or are the guys in, in black and gold going to come in and take care of business? Yeah, it sure would be nice to know, uh, you know, the, the reliability of uh, whether or not Patrick Kane is actually going to be back. Um, it says he's going to be back uh, tonight as you're listening uh, on Saturday, but, you know, doubt it. Uh, not trusting ESPN's little sources there. I don't even have a, a previous matchup in the season to go off of, DJ. This one's hard, and I'm the one that picked it out to, to pick it. The, the Wings have won some big games this year, and this is this is one of them, I think. I, you know, they, they beat Tampa when we both picked them last week, and when we were both against them in that Leafs matchup, we were both dead wrong. I know they're not the most consistent team, but pound for pound, they can stack up with with almost anybody on the ice. So I'm going to stick with the Red Wings. I'm, I'm going to play Homer here a little bit against Vegas. I see. I like that, I like that little one there. Get, get you a little game back or something like that. <laughs> see what you're doing. Uh, take us over to the gridiron. So, so are you taking Vegas? Oh, oh yeah. Oh God, <laughs> this has been a Friday for us, hasn't man. it? <laughs> I, I am, in fact, going to take the Golden Knights. They've just been too good, not only this year but just in their existence. Yeah. Even though they're coming to town, I can't quite trust this Wings team yet. They've won big games. They lost big games. They lost games they shouldn't have. They won games they shouldn't have. So I'm kind of just walking in with a whatever happens happens. But those guys in the Golden Black normally mean business. Mm. So I expect them to go ahead and, and take advantage of that. Yeah, it, it's been a Friday. Um, uh, people don't even know. <laughs> like, you still have a long day ahead. You gave me the NFC Championship. We got to get into it. This is the hard part of the show, right? Do, do we be honest with ourselves, or do we follow our heart, or do we find something deep within our catalog of football knowledge to find a reason? But the Detroit Lions on the road, last game of the playoffs to decide who's going to play the winner of the AFC Championship in Super Bowl 58. The Lions playing the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners opened 
as a seven point favorite. They are now a seven and a half point favorite. A lot of money going in, uh, Detroit's, uh, excuse me, in San Francisco's favor. There's 74% chance to win on the matchup predictor. Weather's obviously going to be fine. Couple of nuggets is the fact that the Niners are the only team the Lions have ever technically beaten on the road in a playoff environment, but that was before my mom and daddy were even born, right? <laughs> that was back in the fifties. It was a long time ago. Obviously they've not done so since they are playing the team that has been to the most conference championships in the league. They've almost been to a third of them. The San Francisco 49ers playing in their 19th NFC championship. Good news is they tend to lose them. They're five and five at home in NFC championship games. There's a lot of things that lean Detroit's way, except for the fact that they've never won this game. Can they do it on Sunday night? I do not believe so. I am in favor of the 49ers. I think this is uh, one of those. I'm lining up with the theory. I'm not going to throw out which one, but I'm lining up with it. And uh, you'll probably find out which theory I'm lining up with as we talk about the next game. But I, I think the 49ers are simply really just too good. Not not that this is really theory-based. I just think there's too many options on the 49ers offensively and defensively. They're going to be able to rush Jared Goff and get some turnovers. And that's the biggest point is they're going to be able to create turnovers and win that battle, which wins them the game. Yeah, I'm not, the 49ers. I'm, I'm not going to stick with a with a color conspiracy of a logo. Just just looks like a desert setting to me. I am going to do the thing. I'm going to be the one to take the home team for the station, for the show. I'm going to stick with the Detroit Lions. I don't know. Sometimes you just need a little bit of magic. And uh, when you, I'll say this too. I like to see new Super Bowl matchups. I don't like to see things that we have seen repeatedly. I have no problem with greatness. I learned back at uh, Super Bowl 51 to start appreciating greatness when Tom Brady came back 20, 28 to 3. I appreciate greatness, but I also like to see new things. And the Detroit Lions are a new thing. And when you see who I'm picking for the, the Ravens, you'll understand why I don't want to see them have. When you see who I'm picking for the AFC Championship, you'll understand why I don't want the 49ers in there based off of that altogether. So I'm going to stick with the Lions. They've, they've got the passion. They've got the energy. They've got the emotion. They've got the players. They can do it. So there's no reason not to pick them in the environment. Well, you already brought up the other game, so I'll get ahead and get to the business. This one's plain and simple. Lamar Jackson and the absolutely dominant Ravens are on the clock against probably the most exciting yet hated team in football. The Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and uh, Taylor Swift are going to be making their way into Baltimore. You know this one's going to be high and dry. Uh, Snoop Dogg claims the Ravens are underdogs because of Mahomes. Um, so that's kind of the atmosphere around this is everybody loves Mahomes and the Chiefs and wants to see them win again. The Ravens just want to be the ones to spoil it because Lamar Jackson is just that good. Who's going to do it in dirty all Baltimore while they're eating some Jimmy Seafood? Uh, you called it dirty Baltimore. I refer to them as the Ratbirds as a Steelers fan. I have the utmost respect for that program, though, that franchise. I do not like the Ravens. I hate the Ravens, but I respect them. Everybody has talked all year long about the 49ers to the point where I've, I've kind of gotten sick of it, right? Because the 49ers have lost big games. The Ravens are in unprecedented territory. Nine of their wins were against teams with winning records, and they won them by two touchdowns or more. The Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football, and it's not particularly close. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. Whatever team ends up playing them, whatever God you believe in, really needs to be on your side to beat the Ravens. <laughs> I can't frame it any more bluntly than that. The Baltimore Ravens are unstoppable. Um, So give me the Baltimore Ravens to head to the Super Bowl. And like I said, I don't want to see a repeat. I don't want to see, because I didn't enjoy the Harbaugh Bowl. I didn't want to see the Niners tie the Steelers in Super Bowls. And I don't want to see the Ravens win a Super Bowl. Somehow they both lost the game in my history view of it. But yeah, give me the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, by the way, I just mentioned that they're best team in football. The Steelers beat them twice this year. We don't care. Um, <laughs> but what we do care about is what these picks look like. We're both taking the Ravers. Ravens. I have the Niners and you have the Lions. We both have the Thunder, Nuggets, and Michigan State. And you're taking the hometown wings. All I've got 
at the Golden Knights. Get us on out of here, Jacob. That's going to do it for us. Playoff football continues on WBCK at 2 o'clock. That's when uh, pregame and everything will get going there for Westwood 1 for the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship immediately to follow. I know we've had more technical difficulties with the playoffs. This one is all good to go. No problems anticipated whatsoever. Uh, we will also have the Pro Bowl games, however they decided to do that, and the Super Bowl as well here on 95.3 WBCK. Until then, we will see you next week, same time, 10 a.m. here on Saturdays on 95.3 WBCK. Join Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitt Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.